Welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We're turning dreamers into doers. If you're ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. Hello, and welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. Welcome back to the Anxiety Series. I am your host, Abigail Gazda. Many of you know me, many of you love me. Welcome back. I'm glad to be here with you. And I can tell you, I am so far the most excited for this episode. Like, I've had a lot of anxiety throughout this series of making sure I do it right or serve it justice or cover the vast topic of anxiety. And I'm feeling really settled in at this point. And I've been very excited to talk about this one. I think particularly because I am someone with anxiety and I would love for my people to be better at supporting me. (laughs) And so I feel like I guess I have a lot of insight here. And again, I'm probably not going to cover every single avenue and topic and it may not, you know, be sufficient in the, uh, the vastness of what anxiety encompasses. And I think this will be a really comprehensive episode for somebody who is interested in supporting a significant other, a loved one, a family, a friend, a colleague who struggles with anxiety, who clearly struggles with anxiety, whether they know it or not. Uh, You can practice these, this relationship, let's call it relationship consulting or advice or direction, you can apply this whether that person has anxiety or not. So I just think I think I'm excited because it feels like a really powerful episode in terms of relationship period. So uh, many of you guys liked the last episode, I started with what doesn't work. And that's exactly where I'm going to start today. So what doesn't work is invalidating people invalidating what they're sharing their experiences. I'm going to try to stick to the script on this one. Usually I'm riffing, I have quite a bit of notes here, so that I'm not repeating myself or, you know, covering too too many topics in one statement. So invalidating, um, and I want to use another term, gaslighting, meaning telling somebody like basically, again, invalidating, you don't feel that or uh, you don't feel that way or, oh, that's not, it. it's not like that or so basically telling someone that they're not having the experience that they're having is not helpful for pretty much, again, this covers anxiety and this covers relationship period, because everybody has the right to their experience, whether that's what's happening in time and space, reality doesn't always matter. Now that can get really wonky because people imagine a lot of things and you need to be able to at least be with their experience as if you have any hope of making, um, covering any ground in, in the conversation. And so I want to say though, invalidating from others. So like by others, um, okay, I'm going to be speaking specifically to the person who's interested in supporting a significant other. And, and then I'll distinguish if I'm talking about me, the person with anxiety who wants to be supported. Okay. So right now I'm talking to the person who wants to support somebody. So if you're supporting somebody, invalidating them, uh, isn't functional, right? Then if you're the person with anxiety, and you're invalidating yourself, you're diminishing your own experience by trying to talk yourself out of it, gaslighting it, like you don't really feel that way, um, is, is also not effective. So invalidating yourself as a person with anxiety, trying to like make it not be true 
is not, it doesn't work. It's not functional saying. So now to the person who's supporting somebody, it's all in your head. That's like telling someone who's mad to calm down or telling them they're crazy, right? It's not going to work. It's not effective. It, it's invalidating. So it's something like it's all in your head is not supportive. Suggesting solutions. I know that you want to help and that it might make perfect sense for you saying, oh, just do this or well, you shouldn't do that, or you should do this that way. Those are hardly helpful. And I have in parentheses here, especially without listening. So suggesting solutions, especially without listening to what the person is telling you their their situation is, their problem is, their issue is, their upset is, their anxiety is, one mostly just shows that you're not listening and shows a lack of like empathy. And most people with anxiety, we, we want to not feel alone in what we're struggling with. We don't want to be invalidated and we don't want to be fixed. We want to feel good and fixing isn't the solution. So offering solutions when it's like, here's the, you've probably heard a similar response like, oh, gee, thanks. Or like, if I could, I would have already, right? So it may seem like a simple solution to you to just make this shift or alteration or change of behavior, but it's from the inside out. So it's not a doing, it's a being. So doing certain things differently isn't going to immediately resolve the issue. And it's certainly not going to, you know, alleviate the fear or concern or pent up anxiety. So suggesting solutions is hardly effective. And I understand that you desire to alleviate the person's anxiety or suffering but suggesting solutions isn't going to cause the ever changing gap or a shift. And then minimizing like, oh, you should be grateful. Other people have it way worse than you, or it's not as bad as it could be. This is a great example. I call it like, you know, first world probs. Like if someone is, has major anxiety in their career, they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're well accomplished. They're highly achieved. That is that's anxiety, that's ADHD. Those are functions of these disorders or these uh, syndromes and all this stuff. People can be highly functioning. Therefore, you might tell them it's not that bad or it's all in your head doesn't get rid of the suffering. And so by minimizing someone's experience, it's not helpful. That does not work. Um, Or trying to like flip it, like you should be grateful because there's people that are hungry and homeless and disabled and um, disadvantaged. Like that doesn't address what that person is struggling and suffering with. So minimizing is not helpful. Shaming, joking, criticizing, incredibly not helpful. We are already beating ourselves up. We are already shaming and criticizing and berating ourselves, joking, maybe joking about being self-deprecating in the form of humor. Like that's just not effective. It's especially not addressing the real root of what's going on. It's just attempting to do something with the symptoms and it's just not effective. Here's my favorite. Just stop. It's the same thing suggesting or it's on your head, like just stop, 
oh, gee, the only way I believe I can stop sometimes is with a lobotomy or death. And I'm not meaning to be joking this. I'm not trying to make light of this. This is where suicidal thoughts come in is like the only way we think we can shut our brain off sometimes is by quite literally shutting it off. And so the idea to suggest just stop thinking that way or just stop thinking about that thing like is not a very helpful suggestion whatsoever. And it, again, I'm going to get into the listening. Listening is one of the most key ways to support somebody. And so many of these ways that don't work, like just show a lack of listening, a lack of attentiveness, a lack of presence. And so we feel alone, therefore we may isolate. So yeah, these are not super effective. And then reversing the problem is not working. Like um, reversing the problem and making it about you. So I want to say, I have a sentence here, like you as the person who is supporting someone with anxiety, I am sure. And I would like to validate for you that I have no doubt that that person's anxiety has an effect on you, has an effect on your relationship, has an effect on your level of comfort and experience in the relationship. And so it may be true for you that that person's anxiety inflicts something upon you, a a suffering, a struggling, um, whatever it looks like, right? And in the moment of attempting to support somebody with anxiety, making it about you isn't going to be effective. And so there's ways to do that. I'm not going to spend this episode having a conversation about that, but it may be true. And there are just more effective ways to navigate how someone's anxiety is affecting you and the relationship. So when you're supporting somebody particular, I'm, I'm really referring to like when someone's spiraling or maybe having an anxiety attack or just like a really strong wave of emotion and anxiety that that is not the time to reverse the the upset reverse the pain like you you know you're so wound up and your anxiety is giving me anxiety like that doesn't that's not helpful it's just piling on guilt and shame and and blame and criticism and so that's not effective um picking apart being hypercritical is not helpful uh we I just want to affirm, we don't want to be anxious. We want to not be this way, especially when it's super amped up or we're panicking and you can't understand like we're existing in different realities. So we're having this like anxious experience and you're like, what the fuck? Get over it. Or like, dude, chill the F out. Like we would love to. We would absolutely love to. And so um, trying, it's not that big a deal, like, or picking apart or being hypercritical or like you're overreacting or just like what you might say out of frustration is not going to be supportive. And then like wishing us different is not going to be supportive. And it's because there's already shame and frustration. So any shame and frustration or like you declaring your desire for us to just be better is not going to be helpful. And you have the right to your experience and your frustration and your feelings. And that perhaps you can also get support from someone outside of the relationship to navigate That's what this episode is really meant to do is like be here for you, give you the support that you need. And we're just starting with what doesn't work. I'm definitely going to give you more about what does work. But 
I just want to lay some of these out right away because these are very typical reactions to being frustrated with someone who struggles with anxiety, especially like heightened anxiety. So let's start to shift into what what might work for you. The first uh, suggestion would be practicing understanding and having compassion for the pressure we experience. So much anxiety is around, and I'm going to talk a lot about this. So I'm trying not to double down on like the social anxiety, but we struggle with different fears and insecurities around being good enough, being liked and likable, being lovable, being insufficient, being a burden. There's a lot of like that experience specifically in relationship of measuring up, meeting expectations. So we put so much pressure on ourselves to measure up, to be good enough, because we're ultimately trying to compensate for whatever fears and insecurities cause our anxiety anyways. And so we're we're doubling down on that by trying to be something, trying to be someone, trying to be uh, everything for everyone. So there's a lot of pressure we just apply to ourselves. And that doesn't mean that you are doing it to us. It's perceived for us. And it's usually perceived from wounding from our childhood. So trying to understand that person and have compassion, like what, like just asking questions to have a better understanding, like what are you experiencing? Um, Because we're experiencing a different reality and you cannot talk us into a different reality, like everything's fine, or, you know, she didn't look at you like that, or they didn't mean that when they said that, or, you know, whatever, like we are perceiving something, it might be as simple as a look, or a simple statement that didn't even land on your radar that we picked up on and then hyper fixated on. So like, oftentimes you can't understand what we're panicking about what we're fixated on. And so asking like, what's going on? What are you thinking? What are you seeing? What are you experiencing? Asking the person about their experience so that you can really possibly get on the same page. Like that would be the goal. Get on the same page. The listening and understanding. This is going to be the theme of the rest of the uh, episode. Listening and understanding and compassion. And so, uh, but I would like to offer a real, like a real hot tip (laughs) on how to handle in real time, help the person regulate their nervous system, help the person come down from, I I also, I love to call it a shame spiral because it might look like anxiety, but I'm actually overtaken by shame or panic, paranoia, overwhelm. So like get with the person, get on that page, on their page. You want to ask them logical questions like, where are you? What's your name? What's your birthday? I mentioned that in another episode is like, Asking logical questions activates the left side of the brain, the logical side of the brain. The right side is the creative side, is the emotional side. And what we're doing with our imagination, we're being very creative, but we're creating the worst case scenario. We're creating catastrophe in our head. So we're using the right and emotional and creative side of our brain to imagine all of these terrible things or these freaky things. And, uh, and then, and, we may be triggered by our past. So we're imagining like we're literally reverting to a time of trauma. So our imagination is just running wild. So if you can activate the logical side by asking logical questions, you're going to help us to calm down first, calm down first, regulate the nervous system first, get them present with their physical environment 
Where are we? What do you notice? What do you smell? What do you see? What do you hear? And, and then you can ask you, it's really important if you want the person to actually communicate um, what they're struggling with, you might ask them, what are you feeling emotionally? What are you feeling physically? Can you describe that? Can you name the emotion? Something we t often struggle with is we're like, I'm, oh, I'm anxious. And we bundle every emotion into calling it anxious. But if, if we can break it down into five different emotions, there's, you can Google like the emotion wheel or something. And, um, I think it's the emotional wheel and it gives hundreds of different types of emotions to pick from. That way we can get more specific and continue to narrow this down. That way they're again, coming into their body out of the head and into the heart, out of the head, into the gut, out of the head, into the physical. You want them to be in their physical reality and less in their emotional reality. And that's, you can do that without then saying it's all in your head or get over it or just stop. You can cause what you're saying by being with. And then if possible, removing overstimulating factors. So much of anxiety comes from overstimulation and dysregulation. So the body is dysregulated. We feel unbalanced. We, you know, if you think of like feet on the ground, it's like we're floating inches or feet or above the ground. Like we are just not where we are. And so removing overstimulating factors, if possible, or getting to a quiet place, if available, listen, this is not about, I am not a proponent for the world having to accommodate people's triggers. It is our responsibility to handle our triggers, our emotions, to be able to regulate, self-regulate. And though, if you're in relationship with someone who's struggling and maybe they haven't been taught these skills yet, they're too young, uh, they don't have the education or, or support, like this is a way that you can be supportive. And so I'm not saying that people with anxiety are your responsibility. I'm saying if you love people with anxiety and you would love to help and support them, um, these are all great ways to do so. So removing overstimulating factors, getting that person to a quiet place, helping them uh, regain their breath. Now, regaining the breath is really difficult sometimes, and we know that. And so, or we don't know that. We might think we're having a heart attack. We might think we're having an asthma attack. And so we're not relating it to our stressors. And so you can help somebody simply by creating as safe a place as possible. This place can be, it can be in a dark, quiet room and still have a panic attack because they are emotionally, visually somewhere else, right? And so removing components is helpful, but it's not the answer, okay? Um, those are all very, like, like I said, in real time panic, uh, reducing activities. More long-term support is helping that person organizing their life, organizing their thoughts, organizing their schedule. So organizing your environment. Organizing is a really powerful way creating like uh, also planning. Planning is really helpful. Planning their schedule, planning. I, the next is routine and structure. All of these things uh, create a really sound environment that can help. It's not about creating a safety bubble, like putting that person in a bubble to send them out into the world. This is just regular life skill stuff uh, that is really supportive. In fact, when I was talking about long-term anxiety management, I was talking about 
breaking down um, goals into smaller goals and minimizing obstacles and objectives in life to really give us a chance to level out and contextually see like our environment. And it's it's really empowering to be able to do that and feel like we have a little bit more of a sense of control and stability. And just to reiterate, because it's my last note here, is establishing safety in relationship and environment. Safety in relationship is you showing you're there, you're listening, you're practicing compassion. You may not have it perfect and that's fine. And um, again, I think to me, not making fun of or taking something seriously when the person that that the other person's taking seriously, you don't have to believe in it. You don't have to agree with what they're struggling with, but that doesn't mean you have to make fun of it or disregard it or invalidate it either. So safety in relationship means I can tell I can be really raw and vulnerable and tell you things that I'm embarrassed to say because it it, even to me, it's ridiculous that I'd be this afraid of something or that I feel, you know, intimidated or overwhelmed over something so simple. Like we're already, you know, struggling. And so practicing incredible, an incredible capacity for compassion and love and acceptance and grace is what we seek is safety, is love, is understanding, is sensitivity. I think a lot of us feel very sensitive. And so um, you being sensitive with us, to us, and gentle to us is, is really, it's just so special. It's so special to us. It's so valuable. I would love to talk about active and supportive listening and, and teach you a few tactics that come with active and supportive listening. Number one being listening and adding nothing. Just listening. And being okay with a little bit of dead space, being okay with not having an immediate response. Because sometimes when, if somebody with anxiety is a verbal processor and they have the chance to think out loud, especially be heard thinking out loud, they can often navigate their way all the way through something and you won't even have to lift a finger at it. You just listening and maybe offering a hug or even just an energetic hug. Some people don't want physical touch, but that being there, witnessing them without judging them. So many of us want to see that we can be the selves that we feel insecure about and not feel rejected. I've never said that that way. We want to be able to be real, raw, vulnerable, sensitive, in the middle of a breakdown and still feel loved. So if you can offer that, you don't have to offer a fix, a change, a solution. We don't always need that. A good question for you to ask is, do you want listening or do you want, you know, support? You want me to answer questions? Do you want me to offer solutions? Ask. Because sometimes we just want to vent. Sometimes we just want to think out loud. Sometimes we just want to cry and sob and fall apart and and just be seen and loved and accepted regardless. And so not every time we're struggling do we want, especially we don't want to be fixed. Um, and we don't necessarily probably think you can fix us because we don't, you know, we don't think we can fix ourselves. Professionals, it's professional support is really powerful. So you might help somebody find the best therapist for them or the coach or the consultant or 
So you may help them in their research. That's really, you know, powerful, important, because um, sometimes just booking appointments is overwhelming. And so um, being able to be like an admin support sometimes is helpful. And then I love this one, recreation recreating what you heard and be okay with getting it wrong. So if you're actively listening, you may say, what I heard you say was yada yada. And they may say, I didn't say that that way. And or that's not what I meant. And this you say, oops, my bad, I got it wrong. What did you say? And so you can have this conversation because it's like, I'm anxious because, you know, when we were at the party, the person said that thing and I didn't know what they meant by it. And I feel like it was about the time that I this and and I wonder if they're still mad at me and I don't know if they are. And maybe I should call them and ask and blah, 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 blah. So you say what I heard you say was so and so made a comment and it activated a memory of a time that you guys weren't getting along. And you think that maybe that comment had to do with you know, that that she's saying she's still mad at you or that she hasn't forgotten it or something, you know. So if you're able to recreate what the person said, you will definitely be able to get on the same page more often. You might not always get it right, but they and it gives them a chance to say, well, I didn't mean it that way. So then they're also gaining clarity about what they're thinking about, what they're talking about. And it's a really, really constructive conversation. And you might reflect, it seems like you're um, anxious about your thing coming up, your your interview coming up. Is that it, it? My experience is that you might be anxious about your interview coming up. Is that true? And they might say, no, that's not it at all. And then and so now you don't have to guess or assume they are able to tell you more. In fact, I want to suggest a really, really powerful episode, and it's called um, Powerful Communication with Oreo, O-R-E-O in all caps. Oreo is a methodology I have for communication, and O stands for offer, meaning offer, hey, friend, lover, I am observing something. So you're offering an observation, that's the O, offer observation, is I am observing that you seem anxious today. Are you okay? And they may say something and you say, well, I have a reflection or no, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Offer, I notice something. Are you open to a reflection? Okay. Sorry. Offer, just offer the observation. I'm noticing something. Are you open to a reflection? R is reflection. I'm noticing the reflection. So I'm noticing that you seem anxious about something. Are you okay today? Um, I'm noticing that you're in some of your normal tendencies. What's going on? So now you're inquiring with them, like what's actually happening. You're starting a conversation. And then E is educate. Educate might look like did you, you know, you know, your breathing exercises or you, you know, we, we've scheduled things. We, we looked over your calendar. Do you need to review that? You know, so this, I'm kind of molding it specifically to anxiety, but definitely go listen to the Oreo episode. And then, um, the last one is offer, offering a solution now. Now someone might be more available to, you know, this could be really constructive. Why don't we go sit back at and go over your interview questions? I'm sticking with the same example. Or, you know, do you know what you're going to wear? Uh, whatever. Did you already make breakfast for a uh, pack of lunch for the, for the way? Or are you going to make your smoothie? Whatever. So preparing and helping and supporting in that way is much more effective than, and it doesn't feel like you're trying to like fix or change us or shame us. And then, um, 
listening, even if you cannot relate, is one of the most valuable things that you can do for us. Listening gives us a safe person to process with. As I've already mentioned, I'm just kind of like reviewing all my notes here because I want to make sure that you feel supported in supporting us with anxiety. And so, um, the, so a lot of the breakthroughs, you being able to listen without adding, listen and just listen, listen and hold space, listen and give hugs or whatever, and being encouraging. Um, and sometimes encouragement can cause more anxiety too, I'm just saying, because if it, it, it's mostly like if you if we feel like you weren't listening, if you're just encouraging, like get over it or just go, just give it your all. You know, it's like, I would, I would if I could, but that these cause breakthroughs in the relationship because now we're talking about trust, intimacy, connection, all of that between the two of you. So, and listen, this may not be for you. Dating someone with anxiety may not be for you. Or And, and when we have friends who have high levels of anxiety, maybe that friendship, if, if it's not for you, it's not for you. And you may have to consider that. I know when it comes to family, it's a little more permanent, right? Like if we want to support our kiddos with anxiety, it's not like we're just going to quit on them or, or our parents or our you know whoever. Um, it's not like we're just going to walk away because it's frustrating. But you you may be unwilling to listen. You may need to reconsider the relationship. And because it's it's not, you know, the idea is not that you have to suffer through stuff. It's that it may just not be for you to be in relationship with someone anxiety. So this now then comes to a conversation around boundaries and like how much time you spend with that person, how involved you are in their life and their their balance and regulation and supporting them in these life skills and developing the skills we need to feel good and function. And so it's just something to consider because my strongest piece of advice is be a really good, active, loving, compassionate listener. That's what you can do to support people with anxiety. And then if you do have a certain skill set, like, you know, planning, structuring, um, organizing, like you can always contribute those skills, but we don't lead, you don't need to lead with those. Mostly we want to be listened to. Mostly we want to know that we are loved as we are and we don't need to change or fix. And that has been the best relationships I've ever had. There's lots of people who think they can help me with my anxiety and I don't want help. I don't want to be fixed. I want to be loved. I want to be accepted. I want to be cared for. I want to be enjoyed. I want to know that you actually enjoy me beyond uh, whatever I struggle with and that I'm actually fun to be around. You know, those are those are the things that make us feel calm where we have the chance to just like come down, be with. And then your relation, the relationship we get to have with you is very energizing because we we aren't in self-preservation mode, you know, a larger percentage of the time. And so, oof, I hope this was helpful. I had so much fun talking about it. I think I'm I'm really passionate about you as someone who maybe doesn't understand or struggle with as much anxiety, being able to love and support the people you love and support. And so, you know, I'd love to hear if it was supportive. I'd love to hear if you have more questions about it. And if you do have more questions or you need more guidance, feel free to reach out to me, Abigail at heartsunleashed.com. You can email me directly or send me a direct message on all the socials. But um, you guys, I love being here with you. I love doing the work that I do. And I love people feeling better. I love people having the chance and opportunity to rise up from what we struggle and suffer with. So thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast. I would say 
go give that person a hug, but they may not want physical touch. So go give that person an energetic hug, a smile. Just go listen to them, check in on them, ask them about their day, ask them what they're excited about, ask them what they're not excited about, but just listen. Listen, listen, listen. Listening can transform this whole world. I love you all. Have a beautiful day. Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you love the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, visit us at heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, hearts.